We are going to be back in the book of Proverbs, and obviously uh, we're doing a subject, so we're not going to be in any one particular location. We're going to survey a lot of Proverbs this morning, and we're going to consider God's wisdom for us regarding parenting. And our focus is not going to be on parents' obvious responsibility to provide physical care for their children, that is, feeding them, cleaning them, clothing them, sheltering them, and protecting them. Obviously, that's a responsibility of of parents. But our focus this morning is going to be on parents' responsibility to provide spiritual care for their children. So we're going to look at a number of Proverbs, as I said, uh, rather than a select few. And instead of focusing on the, the intricate details of various issues and situations in the different stages of parenting, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to try to just look at the, the big picture. We're going to consider key guiding principles derived from Proverbs that will give us just a solid biblical perspective and foundational wisdom on the subject of parenting. So, fasten your seatbelts, keep your hands inside the vehicle. We are off on this journey together. I know there's many parents in here at different stages. How many of you are currently parenting? You have children under your authority and under your roof. Right, there's a lot of you. How many of you have yet to embark on this journey that is parenting? I know you're out there. And then some of you have been around the block. You're empty nesters. And obviously your role as parent continues on, but it is transformed and that relationship is, is new and different. So you even have a lot of wisdom you can share with your brothers and sisters here. But first we're going to look at this. What Proverbs shows us regarding the need for godly parenting. The need for godly parenting. Proverbs 22.15, the first half of it says that folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Not just some children. There aren't some that are unfortunate just to be really dumb all children have folly bound up in their heart foolishness is a part of every child's nature because they like we haven't inherited a corrupt nature from our first parents adam and eve we just read about them their rebellion against god plunged the entire human race into sin so that from birth we are all naturally simple-minded and morally corrupt Morally bankrupt. Children start out this way in the world with no understanding and no knowledge of God. And what they do have is a whole lot of foolishness. So they bring that to the table. Folly is bound up in their hearts. And they also have a will of their own. A will of their own. And of course they're cute to the point that we almost forget they're in fact natural born rebels against God. Makes it more difficult. To see things rightly. Foolishness is bound up in their heart. And if that foolishness remains. It will lead only to more. You guessed it. Foolishness. Proverbs 14. 18. Says the simple inherit folly. They inherit it. Why is there a need for godly parenting? Because if children are left to themselves in their simple-minded state, they will not obtain wisdom. They will not obtain wisdom. Instead, they'll continue further and further down a path 
that will bring them to ruin. It is a path away from God, a foolish path, a sinful path, away from that which would bring them life and blessing. Proverbs 14, 15 says, The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. So you can think of this as children start out simple. They don't give thoughts to their steps, and they're gullible. 22.3 in Proverbs, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Children in their natural state with folly bound up in their heart walk right into danger, walk right into trouble, and they suffer for it. And Proverbs 1.32 says the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. Turning away from what? They're turning away from their God who gave them life, their creator, the one who has authority over them, who created everything and owns everything, including them. They turn away from him and his wisdom, his ways. And the complacency of fools destroys him. That's this sense of security. I'm fine doing things the way I am and going my own way and figuring things out in life. But ultimately, that is a false sense of security because they are ultimately accountable to God. So if children are left to themselves in their natural state, they will not obtain wisdom. They won't even desire it. They won't obtain it. They won't desire it. Instead, they will choose their own way. And they will follow their heart and do what seems best to them. And here's the problem. Proverbs 14.12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man. But its end is the way to death. So if you follow your heart, where is that going to take you? Your sinful, foolish heart. It ends in death. Children, you're learning something about yourselves from God's word. All children are in desperate need. All of you children are in desperate need of wisdom and guidance. Because left to yourselves, you are headed straight for disaster. If you're left on your own in this world, it would lead to your ruin. Not only will children reap the painful and destructive consequences of their own sin and folly, but they will also fall under the righteous judgment of God. So there needs to be an intervention, wouldn't you say? Ultimately, it is God who must intervene. We know that. He is the one who saves. He is the one who gives the gift of righteousness through faith. He is the one who gives life and knowledge of the truth and wisdom. However, we must remember that God chooses to accomplish his purposes through certain means. And the means that God has chosen to get children started on the path towards knowing and honoring him, receiving his wisdom and walking by faith is parenting. That is the means God has chosen. Parents, that's. That's what your task is, to get them started on the path towards knowing and honoring God and receiving his wisdom and walking with him by faith. God said of Abraham, and we'll see that this is true throughout Scripture. God said of Abraham in Genesis 18, I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. What did he promise Abraham? He called him out of darkness, out of his paganism, 
Go to a land I will show you. I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you a blessing. I will bless you. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Well, this is wonderful. I'm going to give you offspring and make you into this mighty nation. And they said, see this land? All right, just go hang out and it'll just happen. No. He had the responsibility by faith to trust in that promise of God. And he had the task of raising up his children and his children's children keep the way of the Lord. How is this going to be a nation set apart for God if they don't know God or his ways? And who has God appointed that task? Well, he appointed to Abraham and the parents to teach their children. And then God through Moses, so this was before the law, Abraham. Now when, we, when the people of Israel, they're a mighty nation now, they received the law of God. And God through Moses, he said to them, now a nation, the people of Israel, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. And these words that I command you today shall be on your hearts. All right, so that takes care of you, the individual. And then he says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. It, it, their, their instruction of their children is to permeate every aspect of their daily life. And he doesn't just say, these words I command you today shall be on your heart. Adults, children, you got it. Take care of yourselves. Obey. Well, he's speaking primarily to the adults. And then he tells the parents out there, you're going to teach these diligently to your children. That's your responsibility. It depends on you to raise up the next generation so that you as a people will be preserved I will preserve you, but you are to keep my law. And then if we turn over to the New Testament, God through the Apostle Paul wrote to the church, specifically, it's to the parents, but specifically addressing the fathers in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So that also emphasizes the fact that dads, the buck stops with you. The responsibility is ultimately on your shoulders to lead in carrying out this task. So according to God's design, parenting is the primary means by which children born into this world are to be prepared to live rightly in this world. They need to be prepared. And parenting is the primary means. Now, obviously, God uses other means. There are other godly influences that will come, he'll bring into their lives. But you don't say, well, I, I guess, okay, Sunday I'll drop them off at Sunday school. You know, hopefully God will get a hold of their heart then. And then we'll just go home and kind of carry about our daily business. So the task is 24-7 is on the parents. That's the primary means he is given to prepare those children to live rightly in this world. God has given parents the task of preparing their children to glorify him with the life he has given them by knowing him, loving him, fearing him, keeping his commandments and applying his wisdom. How are they going to learn to do that? They need to learn it from their parents. This brings us to our next point, and that is the goal of godly parenting. So we've seen the need. There's an absolute critical need for godly parents. But what's the goal? 
What is the target you are aiming your children at? What is your desire for them? Is it that they would be well-behaved and respectful? Just well-behaved, respectful. Is it that they would have a good work ethic and contribute around the house? Is it that they would do well in school? Is it that they would stay out of trouble? Is it that they would get a good and respectable job and have a successful career? Is that your goal and desire for them? Is it that they would one day be happily married and have children of their own? Or is it that they would profess faith in Jesus Christ? What is your goal? What is your desire for your children? Certainly none of these things are bad, are they? Those are all good things, right? That whole list. Desirable things. Of course we would desire that for our children. The problem, though, is that all of them fall short of what God's desire is for our children. They fall short. We should desire for them what God desires for them. And that is summarized, I would say, summarized well in Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, where Solomon urges his son. This is what he's directing him towards. Not that he would just kind of behave, be respectful, have a good work ethic, be a good model citizen. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Children, that's, that's the, the God's purpose for your life. That should be your goal. He says, turn away from evil. Obviously, that's, that's the evil that comes from within. The instruction in Proverbs is to guard your heart with all vigilance, knowing that there's folly bound up in here. There is sin bound up in here. It's to guard your heart. Turn away from that evil from within and from the evil that comes without. And Solomon instructs his son, if sinners entice you, don't consent. Do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. So godly parenting is ultimately the work of making disciples. It's making disciples. We want our children to love and serve God, not themselves. We want them to fear God and not man. We want them to worship God and not created things. We want to instill in our children a biblical view of the world. Which is a Christ-centered view. And again, think about this. In their natural state, they are simple-minded and folly is bound up in their heart. And their hearts are corrupt with sin. Corrupted by sin. They are darkened in their understanding. How are they going to know to do these things? How are they going to know these things? So we want our children to experience the way of the Lord in our home. The way of godly love that promotes righteousness and peace. The way that neither approves of nor tolerates sinful behavior, but lovingly corrects it. You can help them experience the way of the Lord in your home. We want our children to experience the way of the Lord in our home so that they might taste and see that He is good. And that they too might, by the grace of God, come to know Him personally. 
and trust in him with all their heart and fear him and love him and honor him and serve him. So you don't think they're born sinners, they're hopeless apart from the grace of God. So until God says them, it's kind of in vain for me to do anything, right? I mean, they're, they're dead in their sins, right? But Solomon's saying the task of parenting is you start. They are born in sin and you're going to start showing them the way of the Lord and teaching them the way of the Lord. And yes, God by his grace, Lord willing, would save them. You pray for them, but you've got to model it for them. Help them understand the way of the Lord so that they might taste and see that he is good. Even as sinners dead in their sins, they would see there's wisdom in this way. There's blessing in this way. God uses that to draw them to himself. Now the question is, how do we do this? So there's a need for godly parenting. We've seen the goal, ultimately, to make worshipers of God. And there's so much that that entails. How do we get them there? How do we do this? What's, what's God's wisdom and instruction for parents with regard to raising our children with this central goal in mind? So we'll see the method of godly parenting. And the method can be summed up in one word. If I had to sum it up in one word, it's instruction. Instruction. Godly instruction is the means by which parents are to provide the spiritual care that their children so desperately need. Godly instruction is delivered in the following three ways. You ready? First, teaching Second, discipline. And third, by example. That's how you instruct them. Those are the ways that you instruct them. Children should hear your instruction. They should feel it. And they should see it. So let's consider the first one, teaching. Proverbs 1, and we see this as a, as a pattern. I mean, essentially, Proverbs is teaching all of it is. This is the purpose of the book, to teach wisdom, to teach the fear of the Lord, the way of the Lord, his wisdom, his righteousness. And we see that. That's the example in eight, And we'll just look at several in a row. Solomon writes, hear, my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. Chapter three, verse one, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Chapter 4, verse 20, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Chapter 5, verse 1, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding. And chapter 6, verse 20, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Children lack knowledge. They lack understanding. They lack wisdom. They need to be taught. Verbally. Objective truth. They need to be taught. Instructed. They need to be taught the truth about God. They need to be taught the truth about themselves and the world in which they live. They need to be taught how they ought to live. And that is by fearing God, turning from evil, and doing what is right. They need to be taught the gospel. So that they might believe and truly live. They need to be taught the way of the Lord in which they are to walk by faith. They need to be taught godly wisdom. None of these things will enter 
your child's mind unless they are that child is taught. So it's not going to enter your children's mind unless they are taught. And this task is primarily the parent's responsibility. Not pastors, not youth leaders, not school teachers, but the parents. They, by God's design, are the primary teachers in their children's lives. The greatest influence in their children's lives. God's given them the task of instruction by teaching So you're to be about the business of teaching your children, and it is the word of God that should inform and direct your teaching. So again, hear my commandments, listen to my wisdom and understanding. Solomon's not like, you know, because I was just born this way. It's just all here. I got it. No, he's saying my understanding that is rooted and grounded in the word of God, the wisdom of God. So you're to... Inform and direct your teaching with the word of God so that you are instilling in your children biblical truth and godly principles. The knowledge and wisdom that your children so desperately need is found in scripture. Of course, there are other things in life that you can teach them, practical things that would be beneficial, helpful, and a blessing, sure. But what they absolutely and desperately need is the teaching of scripture, the truth of God, his wisdom. And that teaching, the scripture, is not only able to make them wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, but it's also profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Don't you want your children to be complete and equipped for every good work? You train them in righteousness, you reprove them, you correct them, you instruct them, teach them with the word of God. That's what they need. Children, you need it. So parents, if your teaching is to be grounded in and guided by God's word, what do you need to do? What should you be doing? You need to be in the word of God. You need to be growing in the word of God. You need to have knowledge of the Word of God. Growing in your knowledge of God through His Word is not only essential for your own personal spiritual benefit, but it is essential for the spiritual benefit of your children as well. They need you to grow in the knowledge of God through His Word. So godly instruction is first and foremost delivered by teaching. That is the primary task, the primary activity of parenting. But it's also delivered by discipline. And let's read Proverbs twenty two fifteen says, we read the first half already, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Okay, now what? The rod of discipline drives it far from him. Folly is, it's at home in the heart of your children. And it will be here to stay unless you are faithful to administer the rod of discipline when appropriate in order to enforce the godly instruction and wisdom you're giving them. The rod here refers to a rod, a wooden rod. So there's that. And this was an instrument commonly used for the purpose of administering physical discipline. To speak of the rod of discipline then is to speak of corporal punishment 
This proverb, it's not implying that, that you parents have to use an instrument that is wooden and in the form of a rod to physically discipline your, your children. You can use your hand very effectively as well. Um, that's right, I am reminded of, I heard this word, let's see here, chancla, the chancla. I can't remember who it was in one of our growth groups, but she said that her, whosoever mother this was, there you are, Ava, yes, that her mother, so their grandmother, would threaten to discipline these children. She's going to get the chancla, which is, it's sandal, right? A sandal or a shoe, a sandal, good, something you can, you know, gives a good swat. And the funny thing was, apparently the kids kept thinking she was saying chocolate. It was like, oh, chocolate. So you could see probably where the uh, conflict was there. So hey, hand, chancla, wooden spoon, instruments of administering physical discipline. The point here is that parental discipline needs to include... It needs to include regular physical discipline in order to be the most effective and to do the most good for your children. A stinging blow to a child's rear end is very instructive. Wow, we're getting like, you know, hallelujahs and amens right now. None from the children? But listen, it it is instructive in this sense. It teaches them that sin brings trouble and has painful consequences. It also teaches them that continuing in or repeating this sin would be foolish. Sometimes you wonder, as your child continues in their raging rebellion, demonstration in your home and you administer that discipline and they they seem to stiffen their neck and hold fast and stand their ground and they're rebelling and you're saying it's got to get through to you at some point this is not turning out well for you (laughs) it would be foolish for you to continue rebelling so physical discipline is instructive it's instruction proverbs 23 13 to 14 says Do not withhold discipline from a child. And again, specifically referring to physical discipline, although there's other forms of discipline, but obviously the context you can see is the next statement. If you strike him with a rod, nothing figurative about that. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. He might think he is. She might think she is. Children, you might think you're going to die. It's painful. But listen to this. The wisdom to parents is, if you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol, the grave, from death. So that, that painful consequence, that physical discipline, yes, painful for the moment, doesn't last forever. We're not talking about bodily harm. It's just a infliction of a stinging blow that is short-lived leaves a little redness but the alternative is withholding that and allowing them to continue in their way which will have destructive and even fatal consequences in life 
So they won't die by physical discipline. As much as modern society wants to convince you that it's so atrocious and cruel to administer that, but you think of it this way, you are saving their soul from death, generally speaking. The rod helps children understand that they are under authority. And it teaches them to submit to authority. Don't they need to understand that? Learning to submit to parental authority prepares your children not only to submit to the earthly authorities that God has put in place over them, but ultimately to submit to God's supreme authority. They don't understand authority and submission to authority and consequences for rebelling against authority. Are you setting them up well for being able to fear the Lord? Come to a saving knowledge of Christ? If they don't even understand or appreciate or understand the idea that they are to submit to authority? That's really what the call of the gospel is, is to believe on the Lord Jesus, but he's the Lord. To bring your life in submission to him. One commentator wrote this regarding this instruction and teaching of authority via physical discipline. Parent, you are your little cherub's first experience with a divinely constituted and divinely appointed authority. You have the opportunity of building on the category of obedience as opposed to self-indulgence or mere expedience. As in, you know, they'll do what they want or do what's just easy. No, you want to teach them obedience. If you do not discipline, if your child can defy you and get away with it, you will engender in your child an impulse to resist other proper biblical authority and an expectation that he can get away with it. A child is, who is a career criminal at home first will then carry his behavior to society at large. He may be rudely surprised if he learns that the world does not coddle him and make endless excuses for him, as mommy and daddy did. Perhaps our little lawbreaker will escape human justice for a while, but he shall not escape divine justice. He will save his soul. At this point... It should be crystal clear as to why physical discipline is essential in parenting. And as I said, it's not the only means of discipline. You have other tools in your toolbox. But it's critically important and should not be neglected. So just because there are other means of discipline, that doesn't mean you do those and neglect physical discipline. That's of the uttermost importance. If you are unwilling to physically discipline your children because you don't think it's good or effective, for whatever reason that may be, I've heard many explanations or excuses, then you are simply rationalizing your disobedience to God and claiming to be wiser than God, are you not? And, I mean, that's, that's bad enough, but Proverbs 13, 24 adds this striking statement, can't get around it, whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. It's an act of love. Because what does it teach them? It teaches them, it, it corrects sinful behavior. It, keep, it turns them away from this path that's going to lead to them, their ruin, their harm. And it turns them back onto the path or the way of righteousness. So it's a loving act. 
spirit, then you're saying, I don't care if they just live their lives and go straight to danger, straight to death, straight to hell. Notice this word. He who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Diligent. Faithfulness and physically disciplining your children is hard work. It requires intentionality and efforts. It's not pleasant or enjoyable for parents. Any parents say, I love discipline my children. I just sit around some days. I mean, you know, on Saturday, I just wait in the living room and just wait until I get an opportunity. <laughs> I get like, you know, discipline high off this. No, it, it is not enjoyable, obviously for the children, but for the parents as well. This is not enjoyable. We would much rather as parents not have to discipline our children, honestly. It's much easier and more convenient to just respond to our children's disobedience by yelling at them or just ignoring it. You ever found yourself doing that? I have. Or just, you know, barking out orders and I'm just sitting there lounging on the couch. Hey, don't do that. And I'm just kind of realizing I've been yelling a lot. And I'm so lazy I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm actually being lazy. I'm not willing to just get up, go over, and administer some discipline and take care of the, the problem. So it's easy. I mean, we find ourselves, we can be lazy. It's like, yeah. I guess I am dodging my responsibility to just get up and, you know, obey God in this area. We are motivated to diligently discipline our children out of obedience to God and love for our children. That should be our motivation. It's, it's obedience to God. God's called us to do it. And it's, it's, it's out of love for our children, children knowing that it's for their good. That's your motivation. That's our motivation. So that's the reminder to not be lazy, to not neglect it. Also, consider Proverbs 29, 15. The first part of it says, The rod and reproof give wisdom. They give wisdom. This is a reminder that physical discipline must be instructive in order to be effective. It should always be administered for the purpose of correcting your child's sinful behavior and never to simply vent your frustration or anger. That's not God's design. It is to correct sinful behavior to end rebellion. In order for children to respond rightly to discipline, there needs to be some explanation, however simple it may be, as to why they're being disciplined. We don't want them to misunderstand what's happening. Is a teaching opportunity. So, accompanying the rod should be reproof. That scolding, that chastisement, help them understand what you did was wrong, unacceptable, don't do it again. However you want to explain that, but help them understand what it is they're being disciplined for. So godly instructions not only delivered by teaching and discipline, these are big ones, but guess what? We cannot forget this. It is also delivered by our example. Proverbs 23, 26 says, My son, Solomon writes, My son, give me your heart. And let your eyes observe my ways. It's a bold statement right there. Observe my ways, son. I want you to follow my example. But we should exemplify the righteous conduct that we want to see in our children. We must not be like the scribes and the Pharisees of whom Jesus said, They preach but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. 
we have company over and we're going to, you know, like discipline our children. We're going to show that we lay down the law here, but then when people are not around, not watching, it's back to the negligence, perhaps. We must never say, do as I say, not as I do. Instead, we should say, do as I say, and watch what I do, and do remember that I'm a sinner like you. But follow my example, observe my ways. Not perfect, but I want to model obedience for you. Do not neglect to instruct your children by your example. Demonstrate the behavior you want to see in them. Be truthful. Mean what you say and keep your word. Be self-controlled. Be kind and considerate towards them and your spouse. Be patient and gracious towards them as God is towards you. Also remember that your marriage is on full display for them to see and learn from, for better or worse. Let it be for better. Let them see the transforming power of the gospel as you and your spouse love one another with self-sacrificial love. And the, the wisdom of God in this beautiful relationship that they one day might desire to pursue that and to be a wonderful husband or wife. So your teaching, discipline, and example are essential to parenting your children God's way. All three of those. And if you think about it, none of them are optional. If you don't teach your children, they won't learn anything. They will remain simple-minded and be ignorant and foolish. If you teach but do not discipline your children, then they will not pay attention to what you are teaching them, or they will view it as merely optional. That's nice, Dad. I think I got this figured out, but thanks. They will certainly not come to grasp the concept of authority and that they are to submit to authority if you neglect physical discipline. And if you teach but do not care to set an example for your children, well then, they will view your teaching as worthless. As empty words that have no real bearing on life, your example gives validity to what you're teaching them. Credibility. Weight. So, as parents, if you remember these three key areas, teaching, discipline, and your example, then you will do well. There's a balance that has to be there. And because parenting is an ongoing, 24-7 job, it would be wise to do some regular self-evaluation. I mean, it's easy to get off balance and to neglect or maybe overemphasize certain areas of obedience to God at the expense of others. You know, and sometimes my wife and I will just talk and we'll say, hey, I feel like I've just been like really irritable lately and, you know, short with the kids and I don't think I've been really trying to teach them. Or, or maybe I've been quick to discipline and not instructive, or maybe I've tried to teach them things, but I've kind of neglected to discipline them when they probably should have been disciplined. I mean, self-evaluation is good. Set a reminder on your phone or calendar, or maybe you just kind of sense it. You're like, I think we need to reset. Let's reorient ourselves and make sure we're being faithful in these areas. So parents, remembering that, remember that your parenting matters. Remember what's at stake. Consider these warnings that we're going to see against negligence in your God-given responsibility to bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Consider these warnings. Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and proof give wisdom. Here's the second half of that proverb. But a child left to himself brings shame 
to his mother. And if you look at other Proverbs that talk about those children who are left themselves and kind of go their own way, they're not instructed, not disciplined, they're going to grieve their parents. Their parents, they will grieve you. They will bring shame upon you. They will give you sorrow. And they can even bring you trouble and ruin. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, that sounds very nice and reassuring and an encouragement. And the way it's worded, that's pretty much how it's understood, the way it's translated as a promise. Hey, I'm just going to I'm gonna do things God's way. I'm going to teach them and instruct them. And, you know, they're 18. They're going to be off on their own. They're set for life. I have God's guarantee that they are not going to turn away from him. But that's not what this is a guarantee. And again, Proverbs are speaking of general truths in life. That doesn't mean that there aren't any exceptions. But let me tell you something. This, this verse is typically translated this way, but it's unfortunate because in the Hebrew, this verse literally says, listen to this, start out a child according to his way. His way. Even when he is old, he will not turn aside from it. It's actually a, a warning of neglecting your responsibility to instruct and discipline. Just start him out, allow him to follow his heart. According to his way. And it warns that even when he's old, he won't depart from it. Now again, apart from the grace of God, God can save your child, bring them to a knowledge of the truth and repentance. But knowing that, you want to do what's best for your child. You don't want to set them up for failure. You don't want to say, well, God might save them one day. No, you do your due diligence knowing that if you don't carry out your responsibility, it's very hard, maybe even safe to say unlikely, that they will ever come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. But yes, all things are possible with God, but we don't just presume that we can just neglect what he's given us to do and think that, you know, hope for the best. One commentator says about this verse, it's often taken as an encouraging promise, but it's probably more rightly, more rightly understood as a warning. He says that it could be, the, the explanation is this, train a child according to his evil inclinations, his way, according to his evil inclinations. Remember, folly's bound up in his heart. Let him have his will. And he will continue in his evil way throughout life. So that's what's at stake. And some final thoughts to consider as we close. And again, this is such a big, massive subject. There's so many things that we could talk about. So much wisdom from the word of God. But we try to look at some basic principles that are applicable for all of us. A grid, a foundational wisdom for us to anchor ourselves in. But just some concluding thoughts. Take advantage of biblical resources and consider the advice and example of fellow Christians. Because guess what? Those who have raised their children, their children out of the house, they have something helpful for you from their experience. Obviously, as long as that's consistent with God's word, but even from their mistakes, you can actually learn from them. My wife and I found it really helpful just to talk to other Parents who are either in the same stage we are with the age of their children and maybe those who are a little further along to kind of plan and, and to think ahead on how we might accomplish God's will for them and be faithful. So take advantage of those things. There are a lot of great books, and I'd recommend one called Shepherding a Child's Heart. Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. 
A second thought, remember that the right way is God's way. That is the right way. What we've looked at is basically a summary of God's way of parenting. It is the right way. Seek to faithfully obey him and what he's clearly called you to do as a parent and do your best. Doing things his way is hard work that requires a lot of patience. But stay the course and resist the temptation to think that there is some secret method to parenting out there that provides the sure way to providing or to producing godly offspring. The method is right here, as we said, the manual, God's instruction for us. His way is the right way. So even in the moments when you're presented with all the challenges, don't think this isn't working. It is. You might not see the results immediately, but it's accomplishing God's purposes. You be faithful. Be patient. And finally, well, the reality is your children will disobey you. They will resist you. They will surprise you and shock you. This is because they are sinners like you. They lack wisdom and, important to remember this, they are works in progress just like you. They're works in progress. They would do this. They would defy you and rebel against you even if you were a perfect parent. So hopefully that relieves that burden. If I was perfect, my children would basically be doing this anyway. It takes time for them to learn and grow and mature. As for you, trust in the Lord and in his wisdom. Stay the course. Do your part. Teach. Discipline. Set an example so that you might instruct them in the way of the Lord. And pray for them. Instruction, the horizontal activity, the vertical activity, as always, pray for their souls. Pray that they would receive that instruction and choose wisdom and choose the way of the Lord that is the way of life. And children, you're all very good singing here and being patient and listening to this sermon. But let me tell you this. Your main responsibility is this. Honor and obey your parents. That's what God calls you to do. Obey them in the Lord for this is right and this pleases God. You want to please God? Obey your parents. Listen to them. Receive their instruction and honor them. Come under their authority. Make it easy for them to do what is best for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again as we look to your word and and are so blessed by your wisdom. And and we pray especially for our church in this area of of parenting and that, uh, that we would be faithful of what you have called us to do, knowing that it's not just a, a means of our own personal sanctification, but is a means by which you have appointed to train up our children, that they might be prepared to live life in this fallen world for your glory, to live rightly, Lord. And that is to walk with you by faith, to trust in you and not lean on their own understanding in all their ways to know you and to fear you and to love you and to turn from evil. Help us to remember this basic wisdom and to persevere in our faithful obedience to you. And we pray, Lord, that our children would love and appreciate their parents knowing that God has placed them over them for their protection, for their provision, for their good, for their spiritual care and blessing. 
Help us to grow as families and honor you in our homes when no one's watching throughout the week. Help us to model godliness and set an example for our spouses and our children and help us to honor and glorify you in this primary mission field you have set before us. In Jesus' name, amen.